Then in the middle of the game, I see him sprint all the way to the right field wall and act like he's taking a piss on the right field wall for an entire hitter with his back towards the, the home plate. This was in a major league game. And I was like, this is the funniest, most ridiculous stuff I've ever seen. He went around the umpire saying to his bat, he did five circles around the umpire saying, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Just t- telling his bat before he went up to the plate. It was ridiculous. Everybody and welcome now to the Fuck Did You Get That Job, the show where two not-so-interesting guys ask interesting people one question and then interrupt them as they try to answer it. Joining us today is Jesse Cole. Jesse is a graduate of Wofford College. After leaving school, Jesse became general manager and managing partner of the collegiate summer league baseball team, the Gastonia Grizzlies. In 2015, Jesse became the owner of another collegiate summer league team, the Savannah Bananas. He ran both teams until 2018. Today, Jesse continues to be at the helm for the Bananas, he works as the founder of Fans First Entertainment, and he's also the author of the book, Find Your Yellow Tux. Jesse, welcome to the show, and how the fuck did you get that job? <laughs> Fired up to be interrupted by you guys. This is great. <laughs> this is great. Uh, so uh, you want me to start with the bananas job or my first job in the business? I guess yeah. take, us all the way, take us all the way back. All right, let's, let's go way back. So I uh, play, played baseball. The whole dream was to play professional baseball. Fortunate to hopefully uh, get that opportunity and getting a, a lot of looks from teams and letters. And then, bam, my senior year tore my shoulder just like that. Everything done. Never going to play baseball again in my life. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was going to go into coaching. I was like, I got a job, an opportunity to coach with a college team. Um, but they said you'd have to work at a gas station. They gave me a gas station job in the mornings to help pay. And then I would do laundry every afternoon. Didn't seem like the gig that was right up my alley. So I turned that down. And I got an email about an internship with a team in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And uh, I was like, uh, you know, unpaid internship. I'm not really interested. So I reached out to the Greenville Drive minor league team. They never responded. And I go, I got no other options. So I took this internship with Spartanburg Stingers. That was the worst team in all of college summer baseball. I mean, like 50 people coming to the games. I took that internship and I was able to sell some sponsorships for like $250, put in context. Like they weren't even real sponsorships. Like it was like a business card ad. And uh, I got offered the job as a general manager right after that at 22 years old of a team in Gastonia. And how does it come up right there? Yeah, right there. Intern to right general there. manager. How, how'd that conversation go? They call yeah, you in their office and they're like, hey, man, you've been doing a good job. He's got to raise a thousand dollars. Here you go. Yeah, there's the, good, there, there's the good interruption right there. Yes. Why did they do that? Well, let's put it this way. The GM in Gastonia had just quit. The team was averaging 200 fans a game and there was $268 in the bank account. They didn't have many options. There wasn't a huge line of candidates lining yeah, up. So yeah, they yeah. said, hey, this guy can sell some sponsorships. Let's give him a shot. The, the search the search agency was was hot on your heels. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, so I showed up. So this was back in 2007. I showed up that first day and I walked in and it was a disaster. I mean, literally, the 268 dollars in the bank account. There were three employees. Payroll was on Friday. There was no money, no sponsorship, no fans. The team had lost over six figures the previous year. And when you barely make six figures and you lose six figures, that's not a good business model. And so uh, that was my first day. And I was like, what, 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 what was, what was even the plan? Like, like, take us through that. Like when you showed up, you're like 268 and they're like, okay, and you got three guys you got to pay. Where, where, where did your mind go? Like car wash? Oh, it, like, it, it was, it was start selling. It was just start selling. So I remember I went home. I was like, I got to figure out what the heck we're going to do. Like, what are we going to do? So I started reading, like, I literally started reading books on like PT Barnum and Walt Disney. I got to get attention. I got to start getting people to actually care who we are. <laughs> 
Because I'm thinking, like, no, no curriculum is uh, teaching you uh, what to Violet do. Violate baseball ticket sales. <laughs> no, yeah, you don't. You have to learn that on the job. I mean, you have no idea, and you have to start trying things. So I literally started calling every single person in the community. You guys will appreciate this. So my first day, I made ten phone calls, just like businesses, nonprofits, just people in the community. The team had been there for seven years. I made ten calls. The first seven calls, these companies, nonprofits, had never even heard of the team. All right. The next two calls, they said, we'll never work with you. And the last call I got hung up on. This was my first day as a 23-year-old general manager of the Gastonia Grizzlies. And I don't think looking back, I would have asked for any other starting day to be any better because it was like, we're starting from scratch, boys. Like, we got to figure this out. We're no longer going to be a baseball team. We got to be something different. And that's where I really started to learn the business. And so, so then you're thinking, all right, we got, we got to get people. We got to get asses and seats. We got to, we got to figure yeah. that out. Yeah. And where are you reading all these books what was the first idea where you're like okay that, that might work like what did you what was the first one where you ran with it well guys I, I went out in town and i started meeting with people and i heard the same thing over and over again ah we don't like baseball it's boring or someone would say oh i love baseball and i go how many games did you go to last year oh none none it was just i kept hearing it over and over again baseball was too long too slow too boring so they had no interest so my thought was like we can't be a baseball team so i called the owner yeah, I called the owner of the team and the owner owned like minor league teams for years. I mean, he was in the business for a while and I go, uh, Ken, we're no longer going to be a baseball team. He goes, well, what are you talking about, Jesse? I go, we're going to be a circus. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, I think our players should do choreographed dances every single game. I think we should have grandma beauty pageants. I want to try a flatulence fun night. I want to do a salute to underwear night. And we just started coming up with all these ideas. And he's like, I guess we got nothing to lose. And he just started letting me at 23, just try some crazy things and a lot failed but some actually worked when did everybody else start taking notice like when when did when did you actually see the the payoff on the back end like in terms of revenue well the first year we uh almost tripled revenue uh we went from 200 fans to 1200 fans a game so we increased by a thousand fans a game and uh um, people started taking notice i mean we did i mean we did a dig to china night where we buried a certificate to China in the infield dirt. And we had hundreds of fans dig on the field. They tore up the field like crazy. Like, I don't even know if we can play the next day. It was a terrible promotion. But when they actually dug, they, the woman found it was a certificate to China. It was a one-way flight to China. No flight back and no accommodations. So we had a lot of fun with our promotions, to say the least. But it got attention. And that's where you guys, you guys are in the business, you know, attention beats marketing. I mean, you, you know, obviously from VaynerMedia, everything, I mean, that's huge. And we've learned that. And so it was like, let's just do things to get attention. Let's have an attention plan. And that's what we started creating. And in that small town, did the press really start to uh, hop on this and and promote you guys? Yeah. Let's talk about the press in that small town. One newspaper. It was like the the one newspaper, (laughs) right? The the one newspaper. Yeah. This was actually really cool. And I I got this from PT Barnum. Um, I've read every book there is on PT Barnum. So when opening day came, I actually reached out and pitched stories to every single section. So not only the sports, but I did a whole business story. I did a story on the community and I pitched all these editors, but I didn't tell them there were other stories. So opening day, you open the paper. We're on the front page of the paper, big picture. I'm, I'm on like an outfield wall next to the scoreboard. Then you open the business section, another paper, another uh, picture. Then you open the community section. There were three articles in the whole paper. So we dominated that local little newspaper and it was a pretty good start for us. But it was, uh, you know, we didn't even know what like, you know, TV media was. It wasn't in that town. 
And so, you know, years later, when we came to Savannah, we used some of the things we learned with that one little newspaper to really push on the, the media uh, in Savannah. And with the Grizzlies, obviously, like social media, it was, a, it was a completely different landscape. But were you using a lot of those same principles in that landscape as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in 2009, I remember, uh, geez, you guys are bringing me back here. That, that first, uh, uh, in 2009, we started the offseason and I looked at every minor league team in the country and I looked at some of the NBA teams and I was like, Facebook was just starting to get going for businesses. You know, it's mostly just personal. And I was like, oh, wow. All right. All the minor leagues, like the biggest minor league team had like 4,000 followers. And I saw the Charlotte Bobcats before they became the Hornets again, they were like 4,400 followers or 4,400 fans. And I was like, we're going to have more than the NBA team at Charlotte just down the road. And so we did a whole big promotion. We literally said, we're going to give free Chick-fil-A to everyone. We reached a partnership with Chick-fil-A. I went to a, 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 a cruise line industry or a creative travel industry. And I said, we want to give away free cruises. So we created this whole thing and got people fired up. And so we had more, we got up to like 5,000 followers on Facebook, started pushing up, had more than some NBA teams, every minor league team. And we started learning the power of using social media. And that was in 2009. Wow. Wow. And so then take us through the transition. So what, like, obviously you're building something, you're building something with the Grizzlies. What is it about Savannah? And like, take us through that opportunity. Cause I, you know, we, we did the research on the back end. It's a great story. <laughs> yeah. So Gaston, we kept building up 1200, 1500 fans, 1800 fans. And again, promotions failed. Salute to underwear night was a failure. There were some things <laughs> that we just did that was really, really bad, but you know, we gave ourselves grace because we kept saying, all right, what's the next at bat? People will forget the other things, just keep doing new things. So we got to 2,000 fans. We started selling. I became a managing partner. I bought the team and I was like, all right, you know, we've really built the Gastonia brand into pretty successful, but we never launched a brand from, from scratch. And actually, I proposed to my wife, our director of fun of the Gastonia Grizzlies, who I met at our stadium, who wore a hot dog costume every single night at the ballpark. It was ridiculous. And uh, just like me wearing a yellow tux, I proposed to her at one of our games. I stopped the game. Uh, had a fireworks show. The umpire's warning what's going on. We delayed the game for like 30 minutes in the sixth inning. Broke all the rules. Thank goodness she said yes. I was in a yellow tuxedo. And, uh, and as she said yes, the next day, um, she said, hey, we've never been to Savannah, Georgia. I want to surprise you with a trip. And so the next weekend we planned it, we went down to Savannah, Georgia. And Savannah's a beautiful city. We fell in love with the city, but we went to the minor league ballpark. And guys, 1926 stadium. But when you walk in the big brick columns and I walked into the ballpark and you could just feel the history. It was like, there's been a lot here. And I found out Babe Ruth Hill home run there. Hank Aaron played there. You know, Lou Gehrig, all the greats, Ted Williams, you name it. I was like, ton of history. Beautiful Saturday night. The New York Mets affiliate was playing there. The single A professional baseball. And as you guys know, we're anything but professional. So the New York Mets affiliate's playing there. We walk in Saturday night, middle of the summer. And there was like 100 people there. Like 112, I think I counted. And I was like, this is bad. And I realized it was the most boring environment. Just none of them was there. It was just stale baseball. So I called the commissioner of our league. I said, hey, if this team ever leaves, I go, we're coming here. Commissioner's like, sure, Jesse, whatever you say, professional baseball minor league. Yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> but they weren't drawing fans, so they wanted a new stadium. They asked the city for a $40 million stadium. The city was like, we're not building a $40 million stadium. You can't, you know, you struggle getting 40 people to an extent. And so they said no. And they left, got their $40 million stadium in another city. And we uh, went to the city and said, hey, we're here. We convinced them to come see a game in Gastonia. They were like, I don't know if this is going to work in Savannah. You know, we had like accordion people and like people in stilts. And they were like, what is going on? But they said, we'll give it a try. And so they gave it a try. And uh, we came in on October 5th, 2015. And the former team had cut the phone lines, cut the internet lines. They took everything out of the ballpark. It was myself and my wife, Emily, our 24-year-old president and three 22-year-olds right out of college. 
and we walked in the ballpark, everything was, everything was gone. So we grabbed a picnic table from around the park. We got on our cell phones and just started calling people in the community. And that's when it got really bad because they didn't answer any of our calls. That's when the struggle happened. And that was, you know, again, just five years ago. And how are you convincing these 22-year-old to 24-year-old president and your wife to, you know, this is the opportunity of a lifetime? We're launching a brand new team. We're going to make it better than ever. We're going to do all these great things. You know, we, you know, again, just like, you know, P.T. Barnum, Walt Disney, you get yep. them all excited. And that was our thing. Hey, guys, we're going to do something that's never been done before. We're going to create this all in buy in. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we just, we just sold them. And again, they're three 22-year-olds, you know, right out of college that the idea of working for a sports team sounds cool. Um, maybe not a college summer team where, you know, you're getting paid very little and you don't know if it's going to succeed, but they gave it a shot. And, uh, and I think they'll, they'll look back and say it was a pretty good decision. So yeah, it, what happened? We got in there and we sold two total tickets in our first three months. You guys, not like, like two total. So we had six people and we sold two total tickets. That's not a good ROI. Like that didn't work out that well. Um, and it got so bad that January in 2016, uh, Friday night, never forget it. I was at my best friend's wedding. I called roommate and got a call at 445 from one of our employees. We had overdrafted our account. We were completely out of money. Uh, had nothing left. And uh, so my wife, Emily, gives you an idea of who she is and the type of person. She turns and she goes, we have no other option. We got to sell our house. So we sold our dream house in Charlotte, uh, which was near the team in Gastonia that we had at the time, sold it. And uh, we emptied out our savings account and put the little we had left into the team and came down here to Tybee Island, right? right? And it came down to Savannah and got a little air bed and we're sleeping on an air bed. And guys, we had to sleep with our socks on because the place was so disgusting. Like what we were walking on, it was like animals, cockroaches, like it was bad. And that's the life of uh, two young owners of a new team. And we had to change things dramatically to make it successful. And that's why we went all in. That's crazy. I, one thing I'm really interested in, is you, you know, you're starting a, a brand from scratch. And so I, I, one, I want to know, was bananas like, like from the get-go? Uh, but also just that whole process of starting a brand from scratch, like what was that like? Yeah, well, you know, it's so important. You got to stand out and you got to be dramatically different. And if, if I've just learned so much, if you don't have attention, you have nothing. And, and so, you know, once you get the eyes and ears of people, then you can start doing more things. But if you don't have the eyes and ears, good luck. So what I've seen in this industry is that people play it safe too much, you know, in, in baseball teams like, Oh, we'll do Friday fireworks again on Friday night. Oh, we'll do a mascot race. We'll do a bobblehead giveaway, the same crap over and over and over again. And the same teams, you know, they, they play it safe. Like everyone in the town wants to be the sailors or the skippers or the ports or whatever it is because it's safe. And I realized as our team, I go, we can't play it safe. So we did a name the team contest, but I was very specific. We want to be dramatically different, completely unique, something like wild. And we got 990 generic normal names, but we got one that was the bananas. And we looked at it and said, uh, yes. And then we said we could have a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. You know, we could name our mascot Split. We could have a male cheerleading team called the Mananas. You know, we, we came up, go bananas. We, we were like, okay, this is going to be wild. And what's great, it was just crazy enough that we would be criticized just enough. And uh, so, yeah, on February 25th, 2016, we announced the team as the Bananas. And uh, we got more intention than we ever imagined. And I'll tell you a ton of criticism. And it hurt but it was good. We wanted it. We got criticized like crazy, but we were number one trending on Twitter, like nationally, Savannah Manance, like a college summer team, which is not a good, not a bad start for a launch. And were you guys looking at each other? Like you and we're like, whoa, this is actually working these nights, like in, in sleeping with socks on with cockroaches. Like this is. 
guys, it, it was like, it was so bad, but like we were training leading up to it. Like we were with our staff saying, guys, here's what people are going to say. How, like we're planning, we we're preparing. We're like, all right, let's do this. We're going to get the attention and then people are going to notice. And it wasn't until when we launched at February 25th, what happened was minutes later after the launch, Emily came and she goes, Jesse, you won't believe what's happening. And she's pressing refresh on her phone and the orders are happening every second, every second, all over the world for merchandise. And all of a sudden we're like, oh no, this, this isn't good. We were charging $5 to ship to like Australia, UK, all over. Like we're going to lose everything here. So we messed up badly there. Actually, the first shipment of t-shirts came in and there were too many N's in bananas. Bananas was spelled wrong. So like we made so many mistakes in the beginning. Um, but yeah, we got the attention and people were saying, yeah, the owner should be thrown out of town. You guys are embarrassed with the city, but everyone was talking. And we were number one trending on Twitter. And then all of a sudden ESPN calls and they're going to put you on sports center. So we were like, num we were like one of the lead stories on sports center the next morning. And I was like, all right, this is good. This is good. And uh, things started happening from there. And we started going all in on what makes us different. And that was the key. What makes us different. That's what we started really highlighting now that we got the attention. I'd pay a whole lot of money for one of those extra end shirts. I'm sure those are, I'm sure those are hot commodities now. Yeah. I don't even know where, <laughs> I don't even know where they are. I need to find them, but those, those were the real deal. Uh, I, I'm super interested. You, you talked about expecting the criticism and Dave and I are both, we're huge fans of Shep Gordon. I don't know the yep. super mensch. And yep. he talks about, you need to, with Alice Cooper, he, he didn't need to make music critics like Alice Cooper. He needed to make parents hate Alice Cooper. Was there like a specific target demo where you're like, those old crotchety baseball fans, like, how do I get those that guy, how do I get that guy fired up? <laughs> I like it. Uh, I don't know if that was the initial thoughts back then, but, but I'll, I'll say, I'll tell you this. We were so strong and so firm and bold against the traditional way of baseball and the boring way of baseball and the way it's always been done and convention and tradition and all that crap, because we saw it. We saw literally major league attendance declining dramatically. Young people not watching games. Watch a major league baseball game, not now, but back in the day. Watch people behind home plate. They're talking to each other on their phones. There's a problem with the game. And you know what? It goes into you got to be a little different. You got to be dramatically crazy. Like you got to do things that get some criticism. And so we were okay with that. We had a, someone wrote a five page review on our games last year and said, it's an absolute circus. This Willy Wonka guy runs around, there's constant music, there's constant people dancing and singing and drinking and yelling. And I was like, this is the best review I could ever have got. Like she was ripping us apart <laughs> and it was saying exactly what I would love a review to say about us because that's who we are. And I think it's so important for every business to know not necessarily who you are, but who are you not? And we are not just this typical baseball team. And if anybody says that we're professional or doing something traditional, that goes against us because we don't want those fans. And I know that like some people will say, what do you mean you don't want baseball fans? We want people that want to come out and have fun and not take themselves too seriously. People that literally, we have a guy who's got a giant beard who paints it yellow like a banana and he has a yellow banana beard and shows up like at the games, just start yelling and stuff. We want those characters because that's fun and that's what baseball should be about. And so we were adamant about it. if we get criticized, bring it on. Hey, and so if you're, you talk about being different and if you're listening to this podcast, you can't see Jesse, but he's wearing a beautiful yellow tuxedo. Uh, where, where did that come in? Where was that play? Where was that idea? And how'd you play it out? Yeah, ironically, the yellow tuxedo was before even the idea of the bananas even came about. So this worked out like this is like somebody knew like what many years from now, it's going to be the bananas. It's going to work out well. But no, um, 
I was putting on a show. So I'm, I'm the guy that goes on the field a lot. I do the wild promotions and get the fans going. And, you know, if you're going to be on the field and be a showman, you can't be dressed like every other person. You can't be dressed like wearing a polo and, and pants and just trying to be professional. And I, again, take some inspiration from P.T. Barnum. I go, what would he do? And so our team, the Gastonia Grizzlies, uh, was black and, and, and gold. And so the first night back in 2011, I said, I'm going to dress up full tuxedo and just put on the show. So I got a black tuxedo and it was about 101 degrees. And I literally almost melted. I was like, this is the worst night of my life. Like black tuxedo. I was like, this isn't going to work. So I searched. I was like, well, maybe I can go gold. So I searched gold tuxedo on the internet and brightcoloredtuxedos.com comes up. I'm like, bingo. And they have a yellow tuxedo. I overnighted, put it on the next day. And it just caught on. Literally, fans would come to the ballpark and say, hey, let's get a picture. Let's get a picture. And they would call the, 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 the office and say, I want to talk to the guy in the yellow tux. They didn't even know my name. I was just the guy in the yellow tux, the yellow tux guy. And people would ask me to MC and it just became a thing. And, you know, I, I challenge anybody. I go, whether you're a business person, what makes you unforgettable? This is my uniform. This is what, like, you know, this is what means it's showtime for me. Do you guys play sports? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What sports do you play? I played basketball in college. Basketball in college. All right. You know, there's a difference. When you put on your jersey, all right, versus just wearing a basketball, you know, top, there's a difference just wearing a practice jersey and putting on a game jersey. For me, when I put this on, this is like my game jersey. It means it's showtime. Put on a show. You are always on stage. So now, even when I'm doing interviews, when I'm going around, like, I'm on stage. And this is who I am. So I think that's why it's uh, embodied who I am. And believe me, that gets, that gets a lot of criticism, too. You should see the walks when I used to go through the airport to go give a speech. People are like, what is wrong with that guy? And they take a picture. They're literally got their camera up, like, acting like they're taking a picture of something else. And I know. So I always give them one of these. And they're like, I got caught. Like, I know what you're doing. Um, but it's, uh, you know, hey, it's me. And finally, I got the, the, pre, the TSA pre-check. But before, I would get checked every single time going through TSA. I'm like, guys, would I really dress like this if I was going to do something crazy? Would I draw this much attention? Um, but, yeah, you know, now I just embrace it. Did you do Where's the brand deal at with uh, brightcoloredtuxedos.com? <laughs> you know, well, they, yeah, I, they don't have my yellow tuxedos anymore. I think I was their only returning customer. So I, I don't know what <laughs> opportunities there are for them. Uh, but that does bring another point, you know, going back to, you know, criticism being ad, and being, a, you know, who you are and who you're not. We're the only ballpark in the country in the world that's ad free. We decided we're going to create the first ever ad free stadium. And which is crazy. Everyone's like, what do you mean ads? There's so much money there. Well, to us, that's not the best fan experience. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I want to be advertised to, or I want to be sold to, or I want to be marketed to. And when you go to a ballpark, you don't want to hear ads the whole time. But people are like, oh, well, it really doesn't matter. Well, make the best experience. There's a reason why people love Netflix and people get pissed off at YouTube's ads. I mean, it, it, it happens. So we did that as well. I'm really When you look around at other teams and other leagues, because I, I, one of the most unforgettable experiences I've ever had in a stadium was in watching Tijuana Toros play baseball down in the Mexican League. Why was it unforgettable? The, the, like you were saying, the only time the music stopped was the second, like when it, the millisecond it left the pitcher's fingers and when it hit the mitt. Besides that, the music was going the whole time. There was an old guy in front of us who was like, like we didn't, like we couldn't speak that good of Spanish. He couldn't speak that good of English, but we were dancing with him the whole time. Yes. And it was, and it was like a ton of fun. The, the guy who was running the uh, Jumbotron, like was like, highlighting people and he would just play a song that like went along with that. So we're like the only four white kids in the stadium that comes on us and he plays the beach boys. And <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm just wondering like when you go to other teams and leagues, like are there experiences that stick out for you where you're like, Oh, I'm going to take that. I'm going to bring that back. 
or yeah. everything else kind of whitewashed? <laughs> well, let, let me say this. There's a, a lot of teams that do great jobs, obviously, in the sports industry. And I, I learned a lot from Bill Vec and Mike Vec. You know, Bill Vec, the famous owner back in the day, they had the midget come up to bat and actually let the fans manage a game, which we're actually doing right now, grandstand manager's night. He was crazy. He let the fans decide whether they're going to bunt, steal, or hit a run in a major league baseball game. No one talks about that. He was crazy. Um, so I took a lot of inspiration from him. But be honest with you, now, if you really want to innovate, get out of your industry. We don't learn from, we don't learn from the sports teams. We took our whole team to Disney right before the, the pandemic. It was crazy. Our whole staff was in Disney till October 5th. I mean, till, till uh, sorry, till March 5th, which was crazy. Um, we'd go on cruises. We learned a lot from Carnival Industry. Guys, we're the only sports team in the country that every single ticket is all inclusive. So if you buy a ticket, you're going to get all your burgers, your hot dogs, your chicken sandwiches, your soda, your water, your popcorn, your dessert, everything for $18 total and your ticket. So that came from Carnival Cruise Line. That came from the cruise industry. And so, you know, the no ad free, it just basically came from just habits of watching Netflix, watching Hulu, watching YouTube. If we're our own fan, what would we do? So, you know, again, you don't, I believe you get the best things from outside and bring it into your, and then you become the only. And I question anybody, not just what makes you different, but what makes you the only. With what you guys are doing, what makes you the only? And then all of a sudden you don't have to market. We spend $0 marketing, zero. And everything we put into experience from having a professional high fiver, which this year is our professional air high fiver because of social distancing and being smart. But, you know, we put money into a, a, a pep band, banana nanas, the male cheerleading team. We hire characters that build a great experience. And then people leave the ballpark talking about them, like our break dancing first base coach. So it's all like a coach dancing, doing the moonwalk in the middle of the game. That's what people talk about. And they do the marketing for you. So it's just a different kind of mindset. So... I, I want to just like get into like the conversation of like when you're talking about getting these players and explaining to them like who the Savannah Bananas are and convincing them to join the team and like give me like the I guess 30 second a minute spiel that you kind of give to a guy who like he's a good pitcher and you want him on the team. You know, it's so funny. I used to do the recruiting and that wasn't that good. So that's why I'm actually going to do a podcast with my coach because I get asked that question all the time. Um, <laughs> so it's very clear now because they see the videos. I mean, guys, we did Old Town Road music video, Can't Stop Peeling. Our TikTok is blowing up. So they see that it's a circus. I mean, we guys, just giving you one example, you know, you know how they have in boxing, they have the ring girls that go around holding what, what round it is. Our players rip off their jerseys, pour water over their heads while holding nine for the ninth inning every single game. And there's videos of these that go out. The players love it because the more they do this, the more they're loved by fans. On, on not just at the games, but on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. So it's because they're different. And so again, for us, so how do we tell the guys? I mean, our coach talks to them and say, guys, you have to be fans first, everything. Everything we do is for the fans. And if you do that, the baseball will take care of itself and everything else will take care of itself. So it's very clear. We, we do spend an entire day onboarding where I tell them stories about Russell Wilson when he played for me, uh, the quarterback for the Seahawks and the story things he did. We share those stories to say, guys, it's not just we're making up. These guys have been doing these things for fans. Russell was dancing and all that. So we share that over and over again and say, this is, this is what you bought into. Do you have a, I, I guess this is, might be a little too inside baseball, no pun intended, but do you have any like hard numbers on like a guy who came in, like maybe had like whatever, 2,000 followers and then came and left Savannah with like whatever, it was like <laughs> seven, 10,000? You know, we haven't, we've, we've looked at what they've done as far as performance. We had a professor come in and say that literally players play better when they wear a banana's uniform. He studied all the stats by just putting on a banana's uniform because of having fun because of the culture and the atmosphere, they play better. We have that study as far as followers. No, but I will tell you, uh, we've had one guy with us for three years, Bill Leroy, and we're doing a full documentary on him um, 
episodes, nine innings. We've been putting that out to our insiders because now we launched the only subscription model just to watch all our games and year round content, the Netflix model for one sports team. And every time he comes up at the ballpark, you hear the place just go nuts. And he's got more fans than anyone else because we built him up through the, the content strategy. Uh, now, now I need to, now I need to subscribe. Now I need to, now I, got, now I need to know Bill's story. Bill's awesome. It, but again, you got to show the players in different ways, what you guys are doing. If you just show the guys, you know, playing their sport, you'll do okay if they're a really good ball player, but you have to show them where people don't show. You have to take down the curtain. Our show with Bill Leroy is called Behind the Mask. He's a catcher. And then obviously you got the, with the COVID and everything behind the mask. So yesterday, uh, literally our filmographer, our videographer went and filmed him at his host family for the entire day, had people in the pool the whole day, showing him going on the boat. And you get to show that and turn it into bite-sized content. It's like, I care about this person. It's not just because of what he does in the field. I care about him because of who he is and the type of duty is. I can relate to that. People can't relate with a player on the field. No one can play baseball and hit 90 mile an hour fastballs. Like very few people can do that, but they can relate to the guy on the boat. They can relate to the guy at the pool. They can relate to the guy having burgers and dogs. That's what we're trying to show more of. And I think that's been a big piece for us. I, I, that's, that's giving me that. Now my mind's going crazy. I'm with, with all, <laughs> a bunch of, I'm going through our whole list of clients and I'm like, I, we got to do this. We gotta do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, David, do you, you got any more before we get into the quick, quick question round? Uh, I, th- I think I'm good. I mean, I guess like, um, how, how's, uh, how's COVID really like affected you, you guys and like, what are you doing to uh, to make make sure that like everybody's staying safe at the ballpark and just the business model? Yeah, I mean, COVID's affected everything. Um, again, our mindset when it happened in March is we actually had a press conference in April. Just put this in context in April with our mayor and said we are going to play and we're going to play in front of fans and all the media was there. And you could just tell they're like, <laughs> sure you are, <laughs> sure you are. But we made that decision and so we said we're going to do it. We're just going to find a way. I think right now so many companies, so many sports, whatever. Uh, it's easier to cancel. Well, what if everyone had the mindset, we're going to find a way and do it. And so we took that mindset and said, all right, what will it take? And so we had to cut our capacity in half and actually closer to a third to be safe. We had to, everyone has to wear masks. We do all the things like that, but how can we make it fun? And what other business models can we launch during this? And so that was the question we asked. So that's why we launched Bananas Insider, a subscription model only on, on Netflix. That's why we launched our Slippery Banana, which is a distribution. It's our Drink that's all alcohol, boys. It's it's literally all alcohol, guys. But it's so delicious. It's like a uh, pina colada, but with banana. And our fans loved it. So we said, all right, can we actually set up a delivery model at our ballpark and drive through and potentially get distributed? And the first night, 100 fans showed up and we sold out the 100 right away. Then we had 200 sold out the next and it's created demand. And so now we went from there. Now we've commanded a Savannah banana cream soda. We're working on a Savannah banana bread. We're working on all these products and just to see what works. And some of them won't. So our, our whole mindset is how many things can we experiment with and test to make it work? And this season, it's probably about 25, 50 experience that are experiments that we're doing. And so we're making it work. We're playing. We're going to lose money because we're used to a full capacity. We didn't let anyone go, um, but we'll be back uh, going strong by next year. Awesome. I, I guess my last question too is like just how you're super passionate about it, but how, how much fun do you have in your job day to day? I have fun doing things that haven't been done before. I get very bored easily, guys. I, my biggest fear in life is settling and just settling with the way things are, the way things were. So uh, I make sure every night we do a new promotion we've ever done. I make sure with our streaming, we show it in a different way. So like we're testing a drone in the middle of the game, which most umpires wouldn't allow, but we just told our umpires we're doing it. So we test things every <laughs> single game. And that makes it exciting for me because it's like, what can we do that people haven't done before? And uh, that's where I have the most fun. Just I'll give you this. You guys all appreciate this. We had to cut it short, but we did, uh, you know, in Practical Jokers, 
uh, the show. We did a practical bananas. We had three players on mics with a player in the game, and he would tell them what to do during the game. And if he gets five points, he's going to win that challenge. I watched during the game, literally, our right fielder, I turn out, and he's laying down on the ground in the field, and there's a left-handed hitter up, and he's calling strikes and balls while he's laying down. And I'm like, what is he doing? And I see the guys in the dugout laughing. They told him to do it. Then in the middle of the game, I see him sprint all the way to the right field wall and act like he's taking a piss on the right field wall for an entire hitter with his back towards the, the home plate. This was in a major league game. And I was like, this is the funniest, most ridiculous stuff I've ever seen. Obviously, with all the scouts of the games, we had to stop. But again, when can you get lost in a moment and feel like a fan? It was ridiculous. He went around the umpire saying to his bat, he did five circles around the umpire saying, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, just telling his bat before he went up to the plate. It was ridiculous. And But again, those are the things that I get the most joy of. It's like, ha- see things you've never seen before at a ballpark. And I think that would make baseball and sports exciting. It's not just seeing a double, a home run, or a strikeout. Let's see things that are ridiculous. That is what I, where I have the most fun. That's amazing. That's that's uh, you see it with that like on a much smaller scale when you like the MLB All Star game when they mic up somebody in center field. Yeah. So, like that's that's a no brainer. Why is that not every game? But hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Jesse, we are terrible at ending these, so we end it with the Michelle Miller quick question round. Uh, so that's named it. after my mother until somebody buys the sponsorship. It's very well played. Let's, let's, <laughs> is your mother getting any royalties for this? What's she getting? I mean, free promotion for, I mean, she, for your mother. She's a, yes. Yeah. She's a, she's a principal <laughs> at a school. So you're promoting so you know. your mother. All right, let's go yeah. on that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, person you'd most want to sit down to dinner with. Walt Disney. He's dead, but I'm sorry. That's who I got to pick. Yeah. You're good. Favorite city in the world. Oh, haven't been there yet, but haven't been there yet. Uh, that's, that's my answer on that uh is it okay to sleep with socks on we alluded to it no that was a terrible three months of my life (laughs) don't ever sleep with socks that's silly what would be your percentage hitting in the coastal plains league (laughs) right now i I could be a 220 hitter i think (laughs) that's solid that's solid in the tux in the tux we're down to 198 (laughs) uh favorite romantic comedy oh geez i'm gonna lose my man card here god brutal Love Actually. Moving on, next. Best <laughs> spot to eat in Savannah. Oh, oh, I, I would, I, I'm going to lose here if this gets shown in Savannah. I'm going to lose bad here. Um, I like a place right outside Savannah and Tybee. It's called Current. Awesome seafood. Love it. It's tremendous. Uh, in 40 years, what are people going to be nostalgic for? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, jeez. That's a good one. What are they going to be nostalgic for? Um, all right. No, I'm turning this down. You answer that. Uh, some, good one, some good ones have been like cars has been a good one. Uh, Port, Port, ha- having yeah. a having a phone in your hand is a, is another good one that I didn't oh, think of. Okay, um, driving, yeah. driving yeah. was another good one. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll say uh, I'll, I'll say watching TV. Yep, that's no, gonna really? be that's gonna be dramatically different in forty years. First statue outside the Banana Stadium is going to be. <laughs> we haven't created that character yet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, cereal soup. Cereal or soup? Oh, cereal every morning. I've had the same cereal for uh, 14 straight years. Oh, uh, no, it, it is cereal soup. Would you consider oh, it technically oh, it is cereal? Soup? I thought you had cereal or soup. Is cereal <laughs> soup? No, 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 no. What's your favorite cereal? Just, just. Oh, uh, Honey Bunch of Oats. Gone with it for many too many years. It's just quality. In one That's sentence, how would you sell on the internet? Um, everything. 
one blank word. Is, one word. <laughs> I love it. Blank is needed for a piece of content to go viral. Shock and surprise. Go-to quarantine snack. Oh, jeez. Uh, Go-to quarantine snack. Um, I, I got to do a lot of pizza. Did a lot of pizza. A lot of pizza. And then beer. Pizza and beer. The real healthy approach. <laughs> Most underrated thing about writing a book. Under, under, about writing a book? Yep. Yep. Um, uh, the, the, the random and unique emails from people around the country that uh, say it made an impact. That was, uh, is that what you asked? What was the most underrated? Underrated, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's the best part. You hear responses of making an impact. That's amazing. Hardest part about running a franchise? Firefighting. Uh, daily, daily firefighting and how to stay focused more on the big picture and not the being in the weeds. In 2030, you can catch Jesse Cole blank. <laughs> Traveling the world with the Savannah Bananas and putting on a show in places you never imagined to see a baseball crazy show experience. Love it. Jesse, thanks so much for being on the show. Where can everybody follow you? Where, where do you want to? Uh, keep it simple. You, you Savannah Bananas or search Yellow Tux, you'll find me. Thanks, Jesse. Jesse Cole, everybody. Appreciate you guys.